Captain Coppin by W.C. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. Among the many marvels of art in the present day is the art of lifting sunk vessels from the bottom of the sea, or of rescuing them in a sadly injured condition from dangerous ledges of rock where in former times they must have inevitably been lost. Of course, this marvel is primarily due to the agency of steam acting on pumps, diving bells, huge chains, and other apparatus. But it is clear that without the audacity of resource possessed by men skilled in maritime affairs, all mechanical agency whatsoever would be valueless. It is pleasant to know that while science has been doing so much for people who live on dry land, Seamen who peril their lives on the great ocean that wraps around the world have not been neglected, and to maritime invention are added civil laws and arrangements distinctly intended to preserve life and property at sea. In touching on this interesting subject, we may first speak of salvage as a means for stimulating the efforts of humanity. Salvage is the payment due to persons who save a vessel that has been abandoned by its crew or which is placed in some peculiar jeopardy. On the owners of ships so rescued rests the obligation of paying a reasonable sum as salvage, and in the case of any dispute regarding the amount, the matter is settled by a decision of the Court of Admiralty. When the vessel has been insured against sea risks by the underwriters at Lloyd's, or others, these, for their interests, make compensation for the recovery of the jeopardized property. Seafaring populations on the English coast are ordinarily prompt in helping to save the lives of shipwrecked mariners, as well as in recovering and taking charge of goods washed ashore. At one time, the wreckage of vessels driven ashore became a prey to depredators known as wreckers, but scandals of this kind do not now occur, partly owing to the vigilance of magistrates, police, and coast guard, and partly to that of the numerous agents of Lloyd's, whose duty it is to take charge of any species of property driven ashore. Like an invisible army, these agents of Lloyd's are established all round the coasts of the British islands, ready to pounce upon and secure every article which the waves bring to land. The plundering of the wreckage, such as Sir Walter Scott picturesquely describes in The Pirate, could not now, therefore, take place. As far as the law can do it, the property imperiled on the deep is protected from depredation. Latterly, the succoring of vessels in a distressed condition at sea has not been altogether left to chance or to private adventure under the prospect of salvage. There has sprung up a system of recovery on a great scale. Salvage companies possessing a large capital have been established in London, Liverpool, and elsewhere. By means of powerful and skillfully managed steam tugs, they undertake to rescue, if possible, ships that have been thought to be almost beyond human aid. There is something heart-stirring in the idea of a few heroic men sallying forth in the forlorn hope of lifting a ship sunk to the bottom of the sea, floating it safely into harbor, and restoring to the owner that which had been given up as lost. Proceedings of this kind take their place alongside of the feats performed by means of lifeboats, renowned among the maritime glories of England. In the wonderful art of lifting and floating sunk vessels, no one has so greatly distinguished himself as Captain William Coppin, 
who is said to have recovered a hundred and forty ships that would otherwise in all probability have never more been heard of perhaps we may some day have a record of the more interesting cases in which the captain was concerned in the meanwhile trusting to newspaper accounts we draw attention to the proceedings that lately took place in endeavouring to rescue a vessel stranded on a dangerous ledge of rocks at Bembridge, Isle of Wight. The vessel is described as the clipper bark Alfida, with ballast, bound from Amsterdam to Cardiff. Its length was a hundred and ninety-six and a half feet, with eighteen feet depth of hold. It was a handsomely built, smart-sailing vessel, which cost thirteen thousand pounds, most likely sent on a mission to take a cargo of coal from Wales to Holland it was fully insured at lloyd's this fine vessel encountered a tremendous gale in december eighteen seventy seven and notwithstanding the efforts of mr g e stone master was driven with violence on the above-mentioned ledge of rocks the unfortunate vessel was thrown to a considerable distance among the rocks and there she stuck with underplating damaged her sides bulged in water getting freely into the hold and with mainmast fractured to all appearance the ship was finished by no ordinary process could she be got off what was to be done sad to leave a thing of beauty and considerable cost to be dashed to pieces by recurring storms in the channel there were grave consultations on the matter by the owners and underwriters the vessel was too valuable even with all her injuries to be abandoned outright it was resolved to employ a salvage company to endeavour to get the vessel floated into port a vigorous attempt of this kind was made and it failed the alfida still stuck as if all hope of recovery was gone and not wishing to be plagued any more about it the underwriters sold the vessel where she lay for two hundred pounds there was a bargain a thirteen thousand pound vessel disposed of for the paltry sum of two hundred pounds the purchase however was a pure hazard if the vessel could not be got off it was not worth anything already an immense deal of trouble had been taken to float the alfida and it was of no use two hundred pounds was accordingly not a bad offer the purchasers were the salvage steamship company of london of which captain coppin is the managing director the case is crucial a vessel is stuck upon a reef of rocks from which no earthly power appears to be able to dislodge it captain coppin yokes to this seeming impossibility let us mark the resources of genius at the spot where the alfida was fixed with a leaning to one side the tide rises about twelve feet there in the first place is an agency of nature which would be clearly important to utilize that is to say make use of the rise of the tide very good but there were holes in the vessel that would require to be plugged before she would budge all this was done the damaged parts of the vessel were cut off by watertight bulkheads and the rents in the exterior sheathing were repaired there was also a great deal of caulking of open seams until these various arrangements were effected the vessel was strapped down to prevent bumping or further damage wedges were also employed to make the vessel stand upright when these and other means had been adopted it was thought that the vessel was ready to be pumped dry and floated off now were set a going powerful steam pumps capable of throwing out six thousand tons of water an hour the vessel began to be buoyant there were some protuberances of rock in the way which would prevent her slipping into deep water to make a proper channel 
300 tons of rock were cut away, and now, as everyone believed, there was nothing to prevent the vessel being tugged into the open sea. It was a great day, when all things being in readiness, the salvage company's steamer Sherbro and the dockyard tug Camel made their appearance on the scene and set to work on the hitherto disabled vessel. What a shout from the sailors, when taken in hand by the tugs, the Alfida quietly glided into deep water and was towed along a distance of 10 or 12 miles to Portsmouth. We say this was a triumph of art. It is what could not have been done half a century ago. On reaching Portsmouth, the vessel underwent a regular inspection and was found to have sustained very material damages, which, however, were not irreparable and are in the course of being repaired. We conclude the accounts given of this remarkable exploit by stating that Captain Coppin intends to commence operations on the Vanguard, one of Her Majesty's ironclads, accidentally sunk on the southern coast of Ireland. He has already, it is said, managed to introduce a couple of hawsers under the hull, and with some interest we shall await the result. To lift an ironclad war vessel from the bottom of the sea and float her to the nearest port would surely be the perfection of maritime engineering. Possibly it may be done. We are no longer astonished at anything. End of Captain Coppin by W.C. Read by Colleen McMahon